0: Hey guys, I got a crazy idea. What if, and hear me out, what if the three of us got together randomly, you know, every couple of weeks or so to discuss like software stuff, you know, you have start a podcast on it. Like, I don't know. You in? Let's do it. I am. I don't think you are though, Outlaw. <laughs> if I remember right, there's a lot of anxiety. Somebody, I, guess got. I guess I get, I guess I have to be the one that's not then. I brought <laughs> yeah. the idea. This is, this is weird. So, huh. Yeah, so this we'll is weird. Episode two fourteen. Yeah. Then, yeah. um, yeah, I just you know bringing back a little bit of nostalgia. You know, I was playing, go. I was playing the part of me in that one. Uh huh. Yeah, no, well <laughs> done. No. Was Maybe the part we told that, that one. story
1: yeah. one time. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll, we'll yeah. revisit that. I thought story we had told, no. We've definitely we definitely have like in have like we? the uh you know the two hundredth episode. I think. Oh man, we talked about Maybe that. We did. Probably, yeah, whatever. All right, fine, <laughs> whatever. So we did it. It's you know we're in our tenth year, I think. Yeah, I think this yep. is. Com- yeah, wait, math is hard. Yeah, we are in our tenth year. We haven't completed it yet. Almost. So we haven't happened, had our tenth like- birthday yet. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um. Same here. Yeah, because I'm 21. <laughs> um. <laughs> and hey, and you know what has happened during that time. Uh, we have outlasted Stitcher, so you know you're welcome. Wow, but you can yes. find us on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, I don't know if we're going to outlive RSS. We're you know we're going to find out. But you can visit us at codingbox.net, where you can find show notes, examples, discussion. And I'm not I'm not going to say anything else because I got to leave like a little bit of a cliffhanger there because I know it just bothers Alan. Oh, it drives me crazy.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, hey, do you think that we outlive Spotify, though? That that might be interesting. Um, well, I guess we'll see. But you can send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. And you can follow us on the Twitters at codingblocks.
2: Yeah, and uh, we got a website, uh, codingblocks.net. And it's got uh, social links at the top of the page. And uh, maybe we'll add some other stuff at the top of this uh, page at uh, after
0: the uh, episode. Yeah, I guess... <laughs> I guess we got to add thread in there some uh, threads in there at some point, right? We got to yeah. hit us up on that on threads. So that's right. Yeah, we just everywhere. can't. Yeah, it's got everything's changing all the time. So
1: hey, real quick though, because we always do this at the end oh, of the episode the
0: introductions.
1: Yeah, I know we can't. Um, if if you haven't joined the Slack community, you should do that. Go to Codyblocks.net/slash Slack. We always do it at the end of the episode, but if you want to be a part of an amazing group of people in the dev community, I highly recommend checking that out.
0: All right, so thanks for listening. That's the end of the show. We done. You just said it because that was at the end. All right, go. That's right. Yeah, we're so done. Like, I'm doing Zach. I'm Michael Outlaw. I'm Alan Underwood. All right, yep, and yep. from uh, you know, we always like to say thank you to those that left us a review. So I'll keep this short and sweet. So thank you, Michael Mancuso, for leaving us a review on iTunes. Uh, really means a lot to us. We also had some really good. Um, feedback in in uh, the episode, episode the discuss threads in some of the recent episodes too so yeah thank you all for taking the time uh, we really appreciate it I should have been more prepared and remembered the names of the people that <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll do that next episode we'll have that we'll have that on on track so that uh, you know we're a little bit more together
0: yeah all right uh, so let's get into it What are we talking about? What the heck are man pages?
2: Yeah, so I thought this was kind of fun. Uh, So I've been uh, kind of experimenting a little bit with terminals and just kind of looking around and getting to know Bash a little bit better and some of the applications and stuff that are available. Uh, To me, they're really easy to use and script and automate. Um, You know, all good stuff. But uh, it kind of got me thinking about man pages. Remember man pages? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so back in the day, Man pages were your main source of documentation for like bash utilities and stuff. Uh, And it was man, short for manual, basically. And the idea was if you wanted to know how, say, uh, to uh, phrase a curl command or how to, uh, I don't know, set or awk something, uh, then you would run man and type in the name of the application set or awk or or whatever. Uh, And it would show you a manual that was in a consistent ish format. It would show you what the arguments were, describe what the you know application did. Sometimes it would have examples, and it was great. And it used to be the joke was that uh, the only command you need to know for bash, uh, or the only, yeah, I guess command is what we say. It was the only command you need to know was man, and uh, you could find anything else from there you, you can even man-man. Really? Yep, it's pretty great. I didn't know that. So it got me kind of thinking, like, you know i don't use man anymore like i tend to do dash dash help just by default if i'm working with cube color or something so i started thinking about like you know why why is that what happened to man pages do people still use them what the heck were they when you think about it like if you wrote a, have got uh, an
0: opinion on that oh yeah let's hear it well go ahead finish your thought finish your thought if you okay. wrote a
2: yeah. So i started thinking about like what the heck they were like were they bundled with the the application somehow, were they installed somewhere separately. Like, what was it? So I, I just did a little bit of reading on kind of the history of man and like and what people are doing
0: now, and it would kind of how things have changed and how they're kind of the same. So to your question about like, do people still use them? Though I think like at least for me, uh, and your mileage may vary, but you know, so typing man and then any command used to be like my default go to like, that was how I, how I did everything in those environments. Like if I wanted to learn about like how to use things and I especially loved the examples uh, that were in there too, since you brought that up. I mean, some of, some of them were very well documented, but um, the Docker fied world that we live in now, where you're trying to create your images to, you know, you're trying to remove all the cruft from your images uh, to, to get that as small as possible has gotten me into the world now where it's like, okay, if the command is available on this instance that I've, that I'm shelled into, I'm just going to dash dash help because man, more man pages more often than not have been removed.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. So. It's literally just dead weight for something in it. And you're not going to be using in a, you know, an image in a container.
1: But, but you know
0: what? And you definitely don't want to give surface area to any, anyone who might get into your container too. Right. So if they didn't already know how to use the command, you don't want to like, Oh, here's how <laughs> yeah. you use this command to totally break my system. Let's help you out. No. So
1: I do the same thing. Like I, any command is dash dash help, right? Off, off the bat, that's what I'm doing. If that doesn't work because some things don't have it, then I'll do man that. But I've found, and I don't know if you guys see this. I found that the man page will usually just take me to a page that doesn't have any more information on it. Like it's basically useless nowadays, Um, at least for the things that don't already have a dash dash help. Like I've found them to be almost useless as a fallback. Like at that point, you might as well just Google something.
2: Yeah, I I just tried uh, typing man cube cuddle in uh, Windows you know, in DOS or whatever you call it now. Uh, and it ran the Git help. It translated to the get help, uh, command in PowerShell. And then it went out to the internet to try and search for it and couldn't find it. And yeah. it gave up, but so, you know, definitely things have changed, but uh, here's some kind of interesting tidbits about like what man pages were. And just like you said, those are great reasons. I didn't even think about for why they, they've kind of gone away a little bit. Um, First of all, the internet wasn't as big of a presence. Like even downloading or installing applications, like there were disks involved. You know, it was a bit of a problem. And so, uh, people would uh, need these document this documentation to be offline because you couldn't rely on being able to quickly look up you know examples or something. And uh, stuff didn't change often.
0: It goes back to the days of us having like the MSDN library installed. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, you had you had to have it locally installed. Yep, discs. Well, until until the CDs came out, then you had the option of like you could just leave the CD in your tray and reference it from there. But it's so Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so much faster to just install
2: them. Like everyone did that. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy. But uh, back in the day, like people used to print out the Like it was it, part of uh, the specification for manual pages, is, like as, you know, formatting for, specifically for printing, is people would print it out in binders in the 70s and the 80s, whatever, and, and actually have that stuff sitting around. So you could just kind of flip to it. It's pretty crazy to think a <laughs> um, couple other things I thought were cool about him uh, so uh, there is a, a directory uh, in, in Linux kind of set aside for it it's uh what was it slash USr slash man I think was it so they are separate files that they're uh, formatted using a very specific markup language called ROFF, R-O-F-F, which is pretty awkward but it was kind of funny it's not that far off of like what you might think of them as a markup language it would have like uh, sections, so you might have like a .dot s one heading might be like a .dot h one .dot h two, and it was not like headings, like you know, it's more of a numbering system, so you can know like this is the seventeenth header, not like h one h two like an HTML. So it's just pretty cool. So the, the most common way to, to uh, create these things is basically just do it in Vim, and then uh, you know there's some formatters and some tools for kind of helping because uh, apparently it was supposed to be a pretty big pain in the butt to keep things formatted. Uh, well enough because they had to, you know, it was designed back when printing was common. So, yeah, I just thought it was pretty cool. Uh, people still use them. No, not really. Like we mentioned, you know, help, uh, is much more common and the internet and things get updated much more often. And yeah, you know, just, we have the internet access, which is so much easier and we have to, uh, we're more concerned with like disk space and things like that for things used, especially in images and whatnot. So would you create one, cool. would you create a new one for anything you're doing? If I was big at a command line utility, I probably would just because of the coolness factor, you know, kind <laughs> of the retro vibe. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But you'd still do the help prompt as well, right? Oh, yeah, dash, for sure. Dash, dash, help. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'll actually, like, I'll do dash, dash, help. If that doesn't work, I'll try dash H or dash question mark. I'll try just typing help. <laughs> you know? So I guess here's the next question, though. So let's
1: let's say that you did do your dash, dash, help um, to where it'll spit out the documentation for you or whatever would you do your man page any different? Like, would you add stuff to it or
2: would you just basically make it a copy of whatever you had spit out in the help? It does have some pretty specific, um, like formatting rules. It's kind of oddly, like there were some parts where like here, you're here where your system calls go here for things for the users here, where your arguments are supposed to go, but it's largely convention. So you could, I'm sure, uh, you know, generate it somehow. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think I just want to do it for fun, but basically you just create a file and shove it in the folder.
0: Hmm. Okay. I mean, I've seen, I've seen where the dash dash help is largely the same as the man page, but the man page would include things like bugs and authors and things like that, that might not be in a dash oh, yeah. dash help output. But in terms of like, you know, the basic description and parameters and, uh, Maybe examples, maybe examples.
2: Yeah, it's kind of cool to think like someone wrote a program to sit alongside all your other programs and kind of act as a manual form. So it was this it was kind of a cool thing that was it was external to your program, and it let things be documented in a you know somewhat uniform, consistent fashion. And I always thought it was uh, really consistent. I actually thought maybe they were enforcing some sort of uh, you know strict formatting rules, but there's just kind of style guidelines.
0: Yeah, but also uh there's m- s- multiple language support too though, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So.
2: You have that it's going not right? everything. Yeah, back in the day, man. People people doing what they're doing. <laughs> <That's> very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know, 50 years ago.
0: Uh, are we Great. back to the 70s old. again? Jeez, here we yeah. go. Is it really the 70s that old? did everything? Yeah.
2: So, like when you could fit documentation or all your applications in a binder. Holy smokes! The Unix Programmer's Manual was first. Oh wait, no, that's
1: the Programmer's Manual. I searched when were man pages created, and it says November third, nineteen seventy-one. But then it says the Unix Programmer's Manual, so I don't think that's it.
2: Hmm. hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I found seventies. Oh uh, I didn't see the exact year on it though. Uh, but I've got a couple of links here. So for if you want to create a man page for some reason, or if you've got an application you think it might work, um, they've got two links. Uh, one is for just general instruction. The other one is the formatting guide.
0: I'm playing. What? I'm playing around Go with ahead. like the format of it. It looks like it's also stored in a zipped format. Oh, interesting. So it's like it's like unzipping that on the fly to read it. So, but so then other than that, sorry, it, it is like a old school kind of oh, yeah. like looking at the raw version of it. Because that's why I wanted to see. I wanted to see it in the raw. Do you remember um what were they called? Like word processors. Do you remember the old oh, yeah. school word processors? Yes. Where like if you wanted to make something bold, right? You had to like put in the code to start bold here, end bold there. It was like the precursor to HTML, except not nearly as fun when you were done because all you had was something that printed nice, yeah. Right. Um. Now I obviously wasn't around to see these, so I don't know what that looked like. But I heard about them. But that's yep, what yep. that's what I imagine this looks like. <laughs> see what I did there? Um. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, this the, the that's what the format reminds me of. That's very cool.
1: Yeah. So so basically. There is a little article talking about it. It said the first ever Unix document, the Unix Programmer's Manual, was published on November 3rd, 1971. Um, and they wrote it at the request of their manager who was trying to figure out how to do this stuff, right? And it was it became the first of many binders to serve as documentation for the early iterations of Unix. And they said that is basically what led into the creation of these man pages. So, yeah.
2: Okay, so we're still not really
1: sure when... Not, not exactly when they came about, but this sort of was the the inspiration for it. So,
0: pretty so interesting. Somebody's, somebody's boss couldn't figure out how to use it, and they were like, oh, gosh. I need some Just, information. Okay, look. Here's what we've done for you. <laughs> right? Just type in man for any command, and you'll, you'll figure it out. That's pretty cool.
2: So, uh, I uh, I found a, a little bit more on the date. So, they say they don't know when the date was. People just started using it. No one's really sure exactly w- what the exact date was. But uh, it was available inside Bell Labs in 71. And then in the early 70s, it kind of spread outside of their specific you know, building or whatever. It's very cool. People saw a need. Yeah, Bell Labs. <clears throat> Crazy.
0: We know somebody from there.
2: That's right. We do.
0: All right. What's up next? Who's got oh, this? Do we not say the name? I thought somebody would say. You totally name, can. Sure. Go, ahead.
1: Go I was, ahead.
0: I was trying to give like a little subtle shout out to Jim, but you know, yeah. whatever. Well, yeah, yeah. he's gone now. He he yeah, left them. Done. Yeah. Yeah. He, he left it behind. Plan. He That's started amazing. with them. Yeah. Um, all right. So done with the man pages, all right? Yep. Yep. So, uh, I wanted to share with you guys. I I'm so disappointed you guys aren't reading this book and uh, we can't go into it in detail. So I wanted to give you a primer. So this has been my latest obsession right here. This is an O'Reilly book. It's like 8 billion pages long. <clears throat> it's um, <laughs> You're selling it so well, man. <laughs> it's got a flamingo on it. Did I mention that? It's got a flamingo. It's called Software Engineering at Google, Lessons Learned from Programming Over Time. So basically, if you rough it like Google's like what roughly 25 ish years old now, somewhere in that ballpark, give or take. And this is, this is a collection of, uh, bits of information, like how Google has managed to work with like a company that is mostly almost entirely made up of software developers or engineers, you know? Um, and so how they have, Managed like large code repository, a single mono code repository. uh, And, and then not only have a team of so many engineers that need access to these things, but things that they've done to like make things consistent across the teams uh, places where they don't bother with cost versus those where they do. And the, the, you know, the evolution of maintaining that soft, that same software for those last 25 years and the lessons learned along the way. <clears throat> so, um, I thought, well, for one, I'll give you a quick example of like what I meant by like where they didn't bother to cut costs or, you know, where they didn't care. Uh, one of the things that I thought was super interesting about one of the stories in here, they were talking about how, have you ever, I, and I know the answer is yes. Have you ever worked for a company where let's say you needed a new power supply for your computer because maybe the one that was shipped with your computer didn't provide enough wattage. And so your computer was constantly, uh, you know, dead, right. Or, or the CPU was like being throttled because of it. Right. Or maybe you need a new mouse or whatever. Right. And, and your company had a procurement process that you had to go through to get that new item. Right. Right. And it was a real pain because you'd have to be like, go fill out some yet. First you had to find out how to do it. Then you go fill it out. Then you had to get approvals for it. And then maybe three weeks later you get it right. And Google is like, we're not wasting the time and money on putting a, putting that system into place, b hiring and staffing the people required to do all that. Instead, there's a closet of that stuff over there. You need it. Just go get it. And if And we don't think that you're going to steal that kind of thing, you know, because we hope that we hired people who like don't care to steal that sort of thing. And also you're being compensated enough that you don't care to steal that sort of thing. But you know, we're not, we're not going to waste our time on that kind of thing. Like that's, we don't care about that mouse or that power supply, right? Like we're trying to solve bigger problems at scale. I thought that was kind of a neat approach, Uh, you know, a way, a, a neat way to think about things. So, um, so that's the, that's the teaser to the teaser. Cause what I really wanted to talk about was this one particular section of a chapter or yeah, it's a chapter. Yeah. Right. Called how to lead. And it had, uh, there was, there was this one section on anti patterns that I thought like, oh, I think, I think everyone could agree on some of these things that Google has called out. But the main premise of what this section was calling out, like, and how to lead is that at some point um, you know, more often than not, uh, as you go through your software developer career, you're going to move up, right? Oh, and they make a, they make a strong distinction between like engineer versus uh you know, programmer, right? Like a software engineer versus a programmer, was interesting too. But, um, so your software engineering, well, like if you were to think of a program as something that you're just going to like write once and forget and not have to worry about that's, that's programming. Mm-hmm. Software engineering is something that you need to worry about, like how you maintain and how you scale and things like that. Like you have larger, it's going to be longer lived. You have architectural concerns, you know, things like that to worry about it's so oh, it's, i don't want to do that it's before. not programming <laughs> you want to be a programmer, I don't want to be a programmer yeah. yeah we all got into programming because we we're like this is fun and then they're like okay welcome to software engineering and you're like well what happened yeah so yeah. um but anyway, any rate so so the anti-patterns to how to lead a team so you're going to have to you know more often than not go through uh you know the evolution of having to manage people at some point in in your career. They also did call out though that like you shouldn't you shouldn't feel like you have to force somebody. Some people are happy to to never do that and you should not um feel forced to do it, but you should also like try to find the ones who do and like give them those opportunities, right? So one of the first anti-patterns that they talk about in regards to how to lead is hiring pushovers. Right? So let me, let me put this little cheat here in the notes for you. So hiring pushovers. So if all you do is hire people who are basically like, you've heard the expression, like you're, you know, you're just looking for a yes man, right? Like you've heard that expression, right? Mm -hmm. Then that's, that would be a pushover, right? Like if, if you surround yourself by people who are just going to agree with you all the time and never push back on anything you say, then you're not going to succeed as well right because the whole the whole point that they make in in this chapter 2 is that you know the team you're trying you want that team to to be an extension of you right like you're trying to like collectively do something build something achieve something right and you yourself can't do it and that's why you recognize like hey it's time to step up to that leadership role, I'm going to have these people, you know, that are reporting to me, helping me accomplish X, Y, and Z. And if and if they're if they're never going to, you know, fight back on any of your architectural decisions or whatever, right? It, it, it's not going to be successful. What do you think of that one?
1: I find that true.
2: Yeah, it's great.
0: All right, when well, I was a pushover for you guys, so you guys and- <laughs> I mean it's legit. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that wasn't quite the discussion I thought it would be. All right, well, hey, so, but on the flip side, <laughs> on the, on the flip
1: side though, you don't necessarily want to hire. Um, so you don't want pushovers, but you also don't want to hire people that are just going to be um, combative scary. on everything, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Anyone can poke a hole in anything if they really wanted to. You know, it's easy to shoot stuff down all day long.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Uh, I'll buy that for a dollar, sure.
1: All right. See, I thought that was going to be more discussion.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now you know how it feels, right? Right? That feel good, does it, Alan? No. Hey, look, no.
1: look. If you if you want to make this more like real life, you got to call me bra after everything you say, bra. right? Like, because that, that's what my son says now every time. Hey, bra, Hey, bro. I'm like, no, dude. You're my son. <laughs> I'm your dad. <laughs> There'll be none of this bra. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey,
1: you got to put a little bass okay. in your voice when you say it too, right? Like, no, I'm your dad. So, yeah. Wait. Wait. Are
0: you saying there's no bass in my voice? <laughs> no. No. You just
1: put a little extra in there wow. whenever you're talking wow. to your that, kid like that, right? That
0: works, <laughs> All right. So, so number two on on anti patterns edition of how to lead a team, ignoring low performers. Ooh. Yeah, I thought I'd get you at this one. The main idea. I don't want to talk about this. The main. <laughs> I didn't mean, that wasn't directing this to you, but when I I was pointing at the screen, I was just pointing (laughs) at my, that's okay. That's weird. But you like dodging his finger. (laughs) So, so the the main idea here though, is that you can, you can, as a manager, uh, you know, as a team lead, you can think that like, Oh, I'll just, you know, put my head in the sand and the problem will go away. That person will eventually, you know, get better or whatever. And like, you know, I, I'm not going to do anything about it now, but they said the problem becomes that person be, because that person isn't pulling their weight or uh, you know whatever whatever however you deem them as a low performer, whatever metric you use, it might make you feel better as the manager to not do anything, but the rest of your team will definitely know that that person is the low performer because they're going to have to make up for it to pull to pull that person along, right? It's basically like dead weight in the canoe, right? Like I got to paddle more because you won't, right? And, and so because of that, it ends up bringing down the team morale as a result of leaving that person around.
1: 100%. Okay. Yeah.
0: The, it. the thing that I found interesting about it was just more like how they were calling it out. Like, oh, yeah, I'd never thought about it like that. But that is so critical. It's so key. You know, like y- you have to address the situation.
2: Yeah, they got like a handful of bullet points. This, this is in there. Like that's super telling.
1: Yeah. So, it, man, you know, this one's tough, though, because
0: oh, now he wants to discuss.
1: Yeah, I don't even want to discuss it. This one's frustrating, right? Like this one's hard because it really does. I mean, we've all seen it. It, it will bring down the morale of a team when everybody else is having to pick up somebody else's slack, right? Like if you've oh, watched absolutely. Survivor and the weak person on the team's getting dragged along, it, it, it frustrates everybody. The thing that's different though, in, in as opposed to like a game show like Survivor or something, is you don't care if somebody gets kicked off the team, right? it's different in a work environment though, because you might like somebody and they may be a low performer, but keeping them on the team isn't necessarily the right answer, but like firing somebody and, and and putting somebody's livelihood um, basically out in the wind is, is hard, right? Like that's, that's not easy, but I mean, when, when it's business, like, I mean, I guess the way that you have to think about it, and this is like when, when you brought it up, all these things are rushed through my head. If you were to start a small business and you needed everybody on your team to perform because you're bootstrapping the small business, if, if you've got three people on the team and one's not pulling the weight, are you going to keep them around? They'll, they'll sink your business, right? So when you're in a corporate environment, you know, there's thousands of people in the building so you don't think that one person's necessarily doing it, but it does have that effect on your team. And so you can't allow that to, to permeate and, and get in everybody's head. It's a frustrating thing, right? Yeah. And
0: like I said, it'll totally bring down the morale of everybody. Now that said, that brings me into the number three anti-pattern though, which is you, as the manager, you can't ignore human issues. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of viewed these as kind of going, these can go in hand, hand, in hand, like depending on whatever the situation is. So, you know, if you have, if you have an employee that you know is going through, uh, something in the family, family life kind of thing where like at any one get point in our time, right. During our professional career, you know, you've heard of the whole work-life balance thing, right? And there's going to be times where like, maybe that pendulum swings a little bit more towards the work side and other times where it needs to swing a little bit more towards the, the life side. Right. So like, you know, if you picture, like if you were trying to uh, uh, adopt a child, like all of the things that might be required of you and all the time commitments that, you know, where your time might be taken away. Right. So you can't, as the manager, you have to be aware of those of those human issues that are going on for the members of your team, and and not overlook them, especially like in the way that you talk to them. Because just the things that you might say in any given one situation, like you know, your choice of wording could come off harsh if you are not like keeping in mind whatever they have going on. Right, and this
1: is this is a good one too, because I think if you if you do take into consideration the human aspect of of everybody's life, right if If somebody has somebody that's sick in the family um, or like you said you're adopting a child or somebody's graduating or, or kids going off to college, or whatever, right? I think this is where you as a manager, as somebody who leads a team can actually almost develop uh, super, uh, employees, right? Because if you can show somebody some compassion in times that are harder like that in times that are trying for people or just, you know, exciting times that are taking their attention away, those people, if they were good employees in the first place, right? Like we're not, we're not talking about the the bad employee. But if they were good employees in the first place, and they see that you were given that leeway to be able to deal with the things or, or work on the things you needed to, they're probably going to come back even stronger, right? Like there's a loyalty now that you've created this bond to where people are going to go out of their way to do even more.
0: Yeah, and and this is why I say they kind of that this kind of in my mind kind of played hand in hand with the low performer because like you know when you were, if you're looking at somebody thinking like they're a low performer, you could almost ask yourself like, well, have they historically been a low performer or are they a low performer right now? Because something's going on. Right. And and like, uh, maybe I know about whatever that thing, that life event that's going on and like, you know, okay, I understand like, we'll let it slide. I know this is going to pass or maybe I don't know that what's going on and I can't ignore that low performer. So let's have the discussion with them. And maybe during then I'll learn that like, Oh, there's this major thing going on in their life. That is, uh, you know, why they might be a low performer at the moment. And I know it'll pass. Right. So those two play hand in hand in my mind. I totally
1: agree. Uh, To piggyback on that a little bit too, though, you as the manager, it's your job. You, you can't necessarily go share that information with your team, right? Oh, but no. but but talking about the morale of the team being low because somebody's being a low performer, you do at least want to be like, "Hey, there's some things going on. You know, just let people know that that there's a reason why something's happening, right? Like I see that you guys might be frustrated with with so and so." but just know that they've got some stuff going on. So, you know, please just give them some slack. Right.
0: Well, I think even in that situation though, like I think you would technically have to walk that, you know, th- that on, you know, like uh thin ice because that person might not want you to even share that information. Um, you know, because depending on what's going on, it might like make something aware you know, to the rest of the team. Like I'm trying to think of like what an example m- of that might be, but you know, you I mean, could, no, all can kinds of
2: regulations. So yeah I, you know, yeah, I can think of anything like health related or stuff. Yeah, like there's yeah, all yeah. sorts of reasons why you maybe not don't right. want people to know anything. And sometimes like just a little hint is enough for people to say, like, Oh, I bet it yeah. just be awkward. It's like, especially with like people
0: who have family at the workplace or, you know, there's, you know, there's all sorts of reasons. I mean, you you mentioned health. Like I, I've had coworkers in the past that were going through uh, like cancer treatments. Right. And, you know, in the early stages, as long as they could hold off, they didn't want anybody to know what was going on. And, you know, you, you completely understand. So, and that, that's the type of situation where like, you know, to what you were saying, Alan, where I'm thinking like, you you might not always be able to do that. Well, You 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 might just have to to, like grin and bear
1: it. Well, or if somebody complains about that person, be like, Hey, uh, you know, I've handled it. Right. Just, just let them know that, Hey, there might be some things for a little while, but just know that I'm aware of it. I hear you. Yes. I'm aware of it. I'm not blind to this. Yeah. You know, just know that I hear
0: you and I'm already working with them. Something like that. Yeah. And, and so, but I would I would say I would recommend like you don't do it as like a team meeting like hey I'm aware of this right. and take care of it like you would handle it on a one on one like as somebody approached you like hey I don't like how Alan's slacking off lately like, Oh, well, right. we know that you know
1: blah, he's blah, a blah. slacker well I mean it, and also I guess just to sort of close the loop on that a little bit too is you know have a discussion with your HR department before you actually do anything um if if it's necessary mm. right.
2: Oh, I don't know. As a manager. They're not there for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: HR is not for you. Oh, Sorry. man. That's a If manager. you are you a person, then HR is not for you. So, please explain, Jay-Z. Where, where You're you a going? human. They're there to protect the interest of the company. Oh, yeah. They're not there for humans. I don't care what anyone says. I've heard enough stories and seen enough bad things and seen few enough good things come out of talking with HR. <laughs> HR is not for humans. Wasn't there Man. like a
0: recent, uh, uh, TV show episode where like, I'm trying to remember what show it was where like there, there was a lawyer there and the employee was like, okay, so you're here for me. He's like, uh, I'm here with HR. And like, oh, okay, so you're here. And like, uh, no, I'm here to the company. <laughs> so, yeah. If there was a, a
2: division in your company dedicated to protecting you and your rights and your needs, it wouldn't be called human resources. Now what it, Maybe call it a union.
0: (laughs) You have a word for that already. Oh man! All right, so um, all right, so number four on this list. Now this is where, like, Alan, you were talking about, like, well, the person's your friend, blah blah blah. So, uh, anti-pattern on how to be a team lead. Number four is being everyone's friend because. It's fine to, to like have, have friendly relationships with people, you know, they're not saying that you don't, but going back to that low performer type of issue, right. You can't just like, let your friendship be like, well, I can't let, I can't, you know, reprimand so-and-so or whatever. Right. Like, you know, because of friendships. Right. So Google specifically called that out as like, um, you know, bad. You can be
1: cordial. You can be friendly, but yes, you cannot try and be
0: everybody's friend. Yeah. I mean, the way they put it is they said you can be a team, you can lead a team and build consensus without being a close friend of your team. Yeah. Right. That kind of sucks. It's, but it's
1: got to be aware of it, right? Because there's business and then there's and then there's the friendships and, and you got to keep those separate to a certain degree.
0: Well, and it's also hard too, though. I mean, like think about it of all the people in your life, like you spend the vast majority of your weight awake, awake life with coworkers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, more than family and whatnot. Like you, you spend so many, so much time out of the week with coworkers. So it's hard to not develop friendships with those people. And that happens even if you are the the team leader, the manager, right? Like you can't help it. So, you know, they're, they're not, uh, it, you know, saying that like, that's never going to happen. Right. But y- you don't have to let that stand in your way.
1: Right. Right. Don't let it impact your business decisions that,
0: that need to take place. Okay, now this one, oh, shoot, I deleted it. It's disappeared. So that one has disappeared from us. It's dead to us. We don't care about it Well It doesn't count. All right. Okay. So this one, no, this one you're going to love. And this one especially reminded me of some place that I'm sure you're going to mention. Andy Pattern number five is compromise the hiring bar. And I see you shaking your head. Yeah. But it's true, though, right? Like, I mean i i get I get what they're saying, right? And like, you don't have to like it, but um, they had a quote in here from Steve Jobs where they said, "A people hire other A people, B people hire C people," hmm. right? It's funny. Okay. So,
1: so okay. The, all right, all right. <laughs> this this one bugs me because what is the bar based on? I guess, like if you're talking about just pure technical chops, that's, that's easy, right? Like that's, that's easy to say this person did better on this particular question, than this person, right? Okay, fine. But there's so many intangibles that come with hiring somebody that you're going to have to work with every single day that this really bugs me because it can completely ignore things like personality, right? Like, does the person listen? Well, does, does the person interact? Well, do they communicate? Well, do they, do they problem solve? Well, right? Like it's so many times, at least in our path, it's usually such a technical thing, right? Like, Hey, whiteboard this problem. Oh, they killed it. All right. Done. <laughs> they rose the bar. They, they kept the bar as high as what it needed to be. And maybe raised it an inch, right? So that's how a lot of hiring happens. And that's how a lot of not hiring happens instead of, wow, this person's really resourceful. I asked them something and they prodded with the right questions and got somewhere. So I, I don't know, man, like this one bugs me. And I guess it really depends on what that bar is based on.
0: So think of it this way. <clears throat> um, think of like the Fang uh, or n- do we call them Fang anymore? I guess now you got to call them like Mang, mang the Mang, uh, Mange. Mange. How, how do you get Microsoft in there twice, though? Or, like, how do you get M in there twice for Microsoft? Mang, Meta, Mange. Microsoft, whatever. So, oh, that's right. It's is not Meta still in either. there? Wouldn't Meta be in there? Whatever. The point that I'm saying, trying to get to, though, is that, like, you think of those companies, right? And, like, those, those companies are just always scouting for talent, right? Mm hmm. And then once they get talent, once they get somebody, then they'll figure out like where to slot them into the company. Right. Now think of the, the inverse of that. You work for, you work on a team and you're like, Hey, we need to open up a rec for a new hire. Right. And you get say a hundred applications, a hundred resumes and you sift through that hundred resumes and you're like, okay, I've narrowed it down to these three candidates out of the, out of the hundred. These are the three best candidates from that hundred. Right. And then you ultimately pick one of those. The point that they're making in this section is, okay, so you picked one out of a hundred. That doesn't necessarily mean that that person is, is, is a good hire. That, that person is not necessarily uh, you know a, a good fit a good hire knows what they're doing none of that it just means that you said well out of the hundred options that I had this was the the least bad choice right mm-hmm. and and the point that they're that they make is that while at the time it's easy to think that hey that that's that's the right decision to make and let's move on it can be a heck of a lot more costly to introduce that person to bring that person onto the team, the effects that they might bring down the rest of the team, problems that they might introduce into it, and then all the cost and trouble that you have to go through to try to get rid of that person, right? So the the, the money that you've incurred during that entire process until, they, until you get rid of them is a heck of a lot more than if you had just you know, been on the lookout for good talent. And as soon as you see them, you're like, Hey, you know what? I don't know where I'm going to fit this person in the company yet, but that's a good fit that that person, I want that person in the company. Let's make that person an offer. And that's the point they're making about don't compromise the hiring bar.
2: I think it works great for big companies, but it's kind of weird to think of like small teams being like, look, let's just hire whenever we have good people and we'll find the place for them. If you're barely making payroll, you're getting started, you know, that's tougher. Yeah, when you've got like 60,000 employees, you know, hiring one or two whenever when you when you see one, like no problem. Sure. Well,
1: I, I, I guess here's the, my point when before you sort of described it a little bit more is I've seen people that were quote unquote bar raisers and they turned out to be terrible. Right. And and I guess that's where I'm going is. As long as the bar is an all-encompassing type thing, because I, I think hiring anybody blindly, because that's really, let's be honest, right? That's kind of what you're doing. Anytime you make a hire based off a few interactions with somebody, you're hiring on a gut feel and an initial an initial check, right? But if you're not taking into consideration all the things then I think your bar is already compromised, I guess, is where I'm going. Because I, I have. I have seen several people that were bar raisers that did great on certain sections. They get in, and it's like they couldn't think themselves out of a wet paper sack. And it's like, yo, this is – why are we spending so much time on a simple problem? Can we please move forward, right? And, and that's the kind of stuff that you can't even know until you've seen somebody in action. I Personally, I mean, thinking about this, right – I think this for me, I've always thought that the hiring process, especially for technical positions is somewhat broken. Um, like forcing, I mean, the three of us, we're all totally different personalities, right? Like if you were to sit all three of us down and give us a technical test, some of us are going to perform differently because some of us have different pressures sitting down, being tested, being looked at under a microscope, that kind of thing to me for a technical position, I think that the trial-to-hire thing is a way better way to do it. Contract-to-hire? Um, yeah. 30-to-60-day, 30-to-90-day 30, 30 contract-to-hire. Come in. Let's see what you got. If we like you, I'm not even going to put you through this grueling interview process. I know your chops now. I've seen you. I've seen you in action. I've seen how you interact with the team. I've seen all this now you can save yourself a lot of time and frustration. You still have that initial interview to see if they even look like they should be there, right? But then you actually get to see how they operate before you decide, okay, we want you to be a full-time employee and and hang out with the rest of the team, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think you and I have talked about this before. Like, I've, ne- I've never understood why the contract to hire isn't like the de facto standard in our industry. But even as you were talking, I was thinking like, you know, I don't, even outside of our industry, like temps, that's a thing, right? You know, a, lo- a lot, of companies will, will use, uh, uh, I don't know if that, if that translates to outside of the U S but temps would be like a temporary employee where like there are, there are staffing agencies where if you just, if you had, Oh, l- l- we mentioned, um, Okay. Well, we didn't mention pregnancy, but let's say you had, you had, uh, you are a small company and you have someone, one of your employees is going on maternity leave and is going to be gone for, you know, let's say six, eight weeks, whatever the time might be. It's a short enough time that you don't want to like hire someone permanently, but you need somebody to fill that vacancy. And in this contrived example, let's say that it is something that you could easily, you know, um, like maybe it's a receptionist, right? So, so, uh, you could easily bring somebody else in, but you want to, when the other, when the other person comes back, that's the person you still want to be there. Right. Um, so, so even that is a thing outside of our industry to where like a lot of companies, you know, will for certain jobs, they'll bring in a temp and if they like that person, then they'll make them an offer to, you know, if they wanted to stay right and I, I just have never understood like why, why that's not the de facto standard across the board. Like I, I think that, like you said, the hiring process, uh, you know, it's it almost feels like it's gotten so ridiculously competitive. You know, it's it, it's like uh, it's real easy to feel to feel defeated before you even get started in it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. be- because of how, how rigorous it can be. And it's like, well, you know, it's been a minute since I got, you know, my degree or doctorate or whatever it might be. Right. So you're like, I don't remember that equation off the top of my head. So I guess I, you know, there's no way I'll be able to do that. So it, it can, uh, it can be, what's the word dis, uh, no, not going help disenfranchising. No. Disgusting. Disgusting. Okay. No, disheartening, maybe. Disheartening. I think that's what you're going for. Um before you even get started. So
1: So I guess the compromising the hiring bar, I don't disagree with it. I don't think you should hire subpar talent just because, you know, you had no better options. Um but I do think that the hiring process is broken in general for a lot of these companies.
0: I mean, yeah, to to the point that you two both made, like I get why for the the fang or mang or (laughs) ma'am whatever that jay-z said i get why for those companies like they can afford to to do this they can afford to always be hiring right um but to jay-z's point you know there's there's eight of you and you're looking for one more developer like you need someone who's really skilled at like you know HTML and CSS and JavaScript, like front end kind of technologies. And, you know, I don't care if they know how to, how a bubble sort works. Right. Right. Like, I don't want to hear, they don't need to tell me that, you know, uh, a radix sort would be better than a more merge sort, better than whatever. Like, I don't care. I, you know, just this is what I, I have this drawing. Like we had, we, we, our designer drew this, this is what we're trying to make it look like and how we want it to interact. And if you could help me implement that goal. Right. Right. Right, so, yeah, totally. Um, and uh, you can you can pick apart my examples. Like hit me up at Joe on Slack, and I'll I'll respond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so the last one in the anti-pattern section for how uh, how to be a team lead is treat your team like children. So, if you as the as the manager or the team lead have to handhold and baby your team the whole way and coddle them the whole way through. Right. You're not helping anyone. You're wasting everybody's time. Right. And to your point earlier, Alan, about like uh, building that kind of loyalty, you know, um, because you did understand their human issues that they had going on at that time uh, of their life. You can also, this section makes the point that you can also create those types of bonds by giving your team members some leeway, like give them some some uh, you know some room to make mistakes and and you know try things and whatever you know on their own without you know being all up in their grill twenty four seven like hey what you doing like oh here's how you should do this or here's how you should do that you know I concur I, I don't I,
1: matter of fact I can't stand um, micromanaging, which is kind of what this feels like in, you know, in a nutshell, I don't like it. I don't like doing it. I don't like it being done to me. And, and honestly, I think if somebody needs to be micromanaged, that's a problem. And you don't necessarily, I think they're probably a low team performer.
2: Yeah. Go back to step two.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, they, they also refer to it as like, if you, if you treat your, your team like that, you're basically telling them like, I don't trust you to do this on your own. So you need me to hold your hand. And so whether or not it comes across that way immediately or not, like eventually that member or members, they're going to like start to feel that, right? Like, um, I can't even be trusted to do X, Y, Z. So why bother? I'll just wait until so-and-so is back in the office and we'll do it together. Or I'll you know tell him what needs to be done or whatever. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of, that kind of disappointment it's going to, you're going to hear that. Well, if, if somebody gets to that point because
1: the manager feels like they have to do that, then the manager's probably keeping a low performer around and should be addressing that in a different way anyways.
0: No, no, no. It doesn't have to be a low performer though. These, these, these things don't have to go together. You, it's just the managers need, you know, need to like handhold every, everyone. Yeah. It's, you don't want that type of manager, period. Anyways, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, I'll, leave, I'll leave you with one last thought on on this book. Another one of the things that they said that they did, going back to like efficiencies and and uh, you know not wasting time on certain things. Um, once you are a Googler, right? You any of the buildings you go to, your access is the same. Your Wi-Fi is the same how you reserve the conference room down the hall is the same. Like they make it easy. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's pretty neat. They were like, they, they made it a point to where all of the, all of the buildings are just treated the same.
1: Right. That uh, that makes sense. I mean, so, uh, it,
0: so it, it's kind of like the, you know, like that whole thing about like, a you know, don't, I think it was from one of the, maybe from the SRE book about treating your, your servers like, uh, cattle rather than pets you know and so they're just treating their buildings like cattle and their uh, people they're all the same
1: makes total sense
0: <laughs> hey we, we i missed heard something. that jay-z we missed something
2: in the news jay-z you're speaking soon somewhere uh so august uh tentatively planned to speak at uh at uh the group in orlando don't have a date yet not totally confirmed yet but that is the plan okay all right good Oh, I guess that's really soon, isn't it? I think I'm gonna Yeah, get it's on. coming
1: up in the next 30 days. Is yeah, guess. and you know,
2: DevFest is coming up in uh, Orlando too. Uh, let see, DevFest uh, FL is really cool. It features speakers from the Central Florida area, but also international. And so we got to save the day for October 14th. I'll have a link in the show notes. Cool. Love it.
0: So, um, yeah, with that, if you haven't left us a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you did. You can find some helpful links at net. Slash coding box. Wait, no. mm, Slash coding W www.net slash (laughs) reviews. Go to Slack slash slack. It hurts. Joe, add on. Perfect. It it hurts. Nailed it. First try. All right. So with that, we will head into my favorite portion of the show. I guess we should just call it like the game show section, but yeah. 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 This is Coding Jeopardy Block 30. <laughs> Sounds just like it. Right there. You hit it. Okay. So this is what episode 14 214 So Jay-Z, according to Taco's trademark rules of engagement, you go first. Yes. Your choices are we're going to score the same way we did last time where uh, it's just literally like, you know, if you get it one point, if you don't zero point. Um, but with a chance to steal. So, okay. Alan, Alan could could potentially take the seal. So here's your here's your list of topics: the terminal list, science fiction, science fiction, go blue, a league of their own, Americana, or the after party, where science each fiction. response comes slightly after party in the dictionary. Oh, that's funny. So, you're saying science fiction for sure. All right. So, level, uh, just, just let's just do these like you want levels one through five, five being the hardest. So, five. So, the $500 question? I think, no, fiction. no.
1: So, I think what should happen is so we said you get a point. I think if you go for five, you get five ooh, points. Ooh, you go ooh. one, you get one point. That, that way, it actually encourages you to think about whether you want the easiest or the hardest. So, I like it. So, yeah, do you but, want to do.
0: No, 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 no. Because this is the same reason why we didn't do the money in the beginning. Because if you went five on the first round and you got it, you have zero incentive to do anything.
1: No, each round should just be one through five. And then that way you have a chance to come back.
0: Yeah, and in, and in that second round, if if the opponent doesn't get it, you don't even have to try in the third round. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh,
1: I still think that there should be some by sort keeping of incentive the points, for getting by keeping the points easier points equal, You're probably.
0: incentivized to keep going. <laughs> Listen That's man fine. this is That's my fine. stupid made up game.
1: <laughs> All right, it's your game. All right, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: My bad. All right, so uh science fiction the 500 level $500 question for 1 point. Uh okay. Like this author Lord Dorwin in his foundation series has an impressive pair of sideburns. So we're looking for the author's name, like this author. Okay, who is Sir Isaac Asimov? Ooh, Jay Z with a point, commanding too. Are you kidding me? All right, I was gonna he got his title that. in there too. You like that? Yeah, he's also a doctor. Very good. All right, so I don't, do you call him Sir Doctor? Doctor Sir, wow! All right then. Okay. So, Alan, here are your topics. Your, your, uh, no, your categories. Categories. Ancient Rome, twenty-one or under. What are you afraid of? Celebrity memoirs, stars, or they're just like us. You'll find. Us in each response. They're just like us. All right. And uh, a level one, two, three, four, or five. Three. Little pride. Little pride. Little pride. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The name of this Bible book is from the Greek for a going out. Leviticus. Joe, do you care to take the steal? No, no. The correct answer is Exodus.
2: Man. Oh, wow. Should have gotten it. Doesn't sound like it. I, I mean, I guess it does. A going out <laughs> Exodus? Doesn't that sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it. Yep, yep. All Different right. kind of, to me, like Exodus sounds like a band name. See,
0: and this is so why kind of going out. This is why you're still incentivized to like you know fight for it, right, Alan? Because yep. you know there's still a chance you could get the tie here. Yeah, I could have gone right. for five, gotten five points.
2: Well, I found out I was wrong. Uh, so I, uh, Isaac Asimov was not a sir. I don't know where I got that from. Oh, so he got it wrong. Yeah, got well, respectfully, yeah. no, we call him. Well, you know, yes, sir. <laughs> sir. That's right. Yeah, dang. That's what you for try to figure out how do you call someone who's both a sir and a doctor? Turns out he's not. Ah. So, well, we yeah, know. but
0: what's the important and what's the answer to the important question here? What do you what do you do in that situation? Someone. I'm probably I'd guess sir. that the one of them would dominate, so the sir doctor, would probably sir. Be. I think I
2: think doctor would be the one that dominates, right?
0: No, sir. It's not
2: used in combination with the knighthood. Knighted doctors are addressed as knights, so they still may use any post-nominal letters associated with their degrees after. So they'll be sir blah MB. comma
0: MD. Right. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um. So Jay Z, here you go. This is your chance to like get the more demanding, commanding win here. Your categories are 1992 in books, thirty years ago. Oh, novel. Okay. Uh, I should say that this uh, this originally aired like you know last year, so that's why it's thirty years ago. Uh, words of love in the Fun. park food and drink technology or a, well, this one ain't going to work a long run on TV with Ken Jennings. Uh, It says I'm Ken Jennings in 2004. I suddenly found out what a long run on TV is like, and I'll have clues about some other famous ones. Hmm, Interesting. Okay. Is that the president winning? Basically like long running, Ken Jennings
1: was the winningest ever he's on Jeopardy. On TV. Okay. Yeah,
0: he's now uh, he's uh, now one of the
2: co-hosts. Yes, I, although I do want to know what 19, 1992 is. Uh, I think I have to go with technology just because it's podcast. Yeah, but I don't feel so confident, so I'm going to go with the
0: third one. Okay, okay, All right. and it was ninety two, not eighty two. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> The better here we go. The year the 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 third level question from technology, the incarnation of a hindu deity or the incarnation of you for virtual interaction avatar there you go an avatar thanks we got five gone it that was that option jay-z guys (laughs) this is so easy i don't know why Uh, i'm back uh, on
1: my losing streak
0: (laughs) i gotta do math again here it looks like um I didn't one. do it in the form of a question though. Divide by pi, Alan, you oh. got a zero.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pi didn't affect it much, did it? <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah. All right. So, uh, what, what's the next, what's the next topic that you got? Oh, Hey, um, so, uh, you know,
2: I, I, mentioned kind of being on a kick for like console stuff and scripting and bashing and, and whatever. And I just happened today to see something on hacker news where somebody recommended, a uh, Tui for Docker. A Tui. Um, bless you, please. Yes. Yeah. No one's going <laughs> to, no one's going to say, what the heck's a Tui? Yeah. Yeah. What the heck is a Tui, sir? What the heck is a Tui? Uh, so Tui is a cute name, uh, given to apps that are, um, user interfaces designed for the console. So K9s is a perfect example of what they're calling a Tui now. And this is nothing new, by the way, this is just kind of a cute kind of trend, uh, but it's basically applications that are meant to be long-lived that you interface with, uh, you know, as like a long-lived program as opposed to something like a curl that's designed to do its thing and exit and, you know, can be piped into other stuff. So these are specifically, uh, we're specifically talking about, like, user interfaces that you would interact with uh, on the terminal. So we've talked about k9s many times. It's a, a tool for managing Kubernetes. You, um, you know, type in the command. It fires up. It finds your context. You can drill into them. You can go look at your pods your services you can interact with them and inspect them and it keeps kind of state uh, of what's going on in the background and does some polling and uh yeah it's really nice but uh, i found one i mentioned for docker we're gonna have a bunch of links in the show uh called lazy docker and if you find the link down there in the show notes line 102 and take a look at this git repo (laughs) it's uh just going down a little bit i want you to see the logo to
0: the can I not click it? It's not and it, because it's not, not clickable. Oh, it's yeah, not it's not garbage.
1: I got it. I got it. Um, Boom. I just made it better for everybody.
0: Okay. Nice. So how would you describe that logo? Uh, a sleeping whale with the Docker containers. That's pretty awesome. it's pretty
1: awesome. All over it. Laney Docker, though. Laney.
2: Yeah, so it's pretty funny. It looks like almost like a child's drawing in like MS Paint of Docker, but they use the letters with like the you know most basic Arial font in them. It looks terrible. Looks like it was done in like negative five minutes somehow. <laughs> uh, but but below that on the Git repository, which I'll we'll have uh, linked, our actual gifs of what, the, what it looks like when you run this thing. I've actually installed this thing too. And what it is, is it's just like we said, it's a terminal app. So it's an application with these little kind of sections that runs inside your uh, you know terminal, like iTerm or, you know, command, what, command or whatever you use, Windows Terminal. And it lets you kind of bump around and look at things like what resources are being used and look at your logs. And you can shut down your uh, containers that are running uh, all from this command line interface. And it looks kind of janky. Right, because it's using things that are available in a terminal. So there are lines, and you know things that you can do with like Unicode characters. You know, there's a cute couple of cute glyphs, but for the most part, it's just text in like little areas. But you know what's interesting about this one compared to a lot of them that I've seen
1: is this one has a lot of mouse interactions. It does. Yeah, I mean, I've most of these tweeze <laughs> that yeah. I've seen
2: are usually you know keyboard commands. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and a lot of them are like kind of Vim based. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know that in um, canines, you can actually in um, if you're using iTerm, you can set the scroll option like on your on your trackpad, right? Ooh. So that uh, it'll scroll the list. And if you're in canines, when you do that, you could like, go check out like, Oh, let me go see the pods. And then you can just use the, the trackpad to scroll through it. So, you know, it's not quite the same because here you're like using the mouse to select the different sections, but wow. yes, you know, another no idea. I thought that like, um, I was kind of surprised. Like I did a search here and cause I thought that maybe nerd tree, which was like a, a Vim extension would show up, but I guess it wasn't awesome. So I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah,
2: there's a, li- a link we've got here uh, for a list of awesome tubies. And uh, that one's not on it, unfortunately. There is LazyGit, though, which is by the same author as uh, LazyDocker. And it looks very similar. It's got, like, a section for files and a section for uh, diffs and a section for commits. And, uh, you know, ultimately, you're still doing things in the command line. You're still hitting letters to do things. You can click stuff with the mouse. But for the most part, you're sticking to the keyboard. And, again, it's got a terrible logo. It looks kind of janky, but if you look at both of these projects, if you scroll down on the GitHub uh, page for these, you'll see both of them have a lot of sponsors. The same sponsors.
0: I, is it? It's funny. A lot is of it, the same. Not not necessarily one one. Patreon or something? What the heck? Well, anyway, you did it say funny. it was the same, so, same developers, so yeah, maybe.
2: Okay, yeah, this person is sponsored. Okay. Jesse Duffield is the person behind both of these projects, and you can sponsor this person. How about, about the cool? Spotify Tui? Yeah, I installed that. Uh, you have to have. Uh, I couldn't get it working. Unfortunately, you have to have like uh, some sort of like um, audio interface uh, device running. Uh, so there's a couple of different things you can do, but I want to, You have to run the daemon basically, which is pretty gross. Uh-huh. So you have to have a certain client installed. But the interface is great. I, like I've got it. Uh, so of course, I searched for coding blocks. Uh, I'll send a little screenshot of what that looks like. But same kind of deal where it's got a couple little panels. It's text. You know, like. There's uh, definitely some pros and cons to these things but what my first thought upon seeing the the logo's specific was like, oh my gosh this is the wild wild west again. Remember when the internet was new and we didn't really have like established patterns for things and people just did weird stuff and usually it was terrible but sometimes it like worked really well. And these things were like really purpose driven, you know. Like if you had a site for your favorite anime or something, you know, it was really, truly about that anime. And you weren't spending your time thinking about, uh, you know, library, third party upgrades. And uh, you weren't Googling how to do this kind of scrolly, whatchamacallit that you saw somewhere else. Like you were just inventing things uh, based on how your mind kind of thought around the problem. And looking at these two uh, E's, and there are a ton of them. Yeah. A ton. It gives you kind of insight in how people think about these uh, programs and how kind of they model the, the the domain space and what they think is important enough to kind of raise to a high level and how they think about actions and the way you're going to navigate this kind of domain. And I just think it's super cool that there are people out there kind of building these uh, you know, hobbyist TUIs out there, and uh, I wanted to share a couple links. So here's a question for you because I, I find
1: these fascinating. And, like, we've talked about canines so much. I mean, it's truly a killer tool. And, like, Outlaw mentioned that maybe you didn't even know using canines is it uses a lot of Vim key binding. So, like, we've talked about before, like, if you go into the pods and you hit slash to search, that is a Vim type thing, right? And you can do regex patterns in there. Well, it also uses other things that are you know, part of the command space. So let's say that you typed out a big, long name. Well, instead of having to backspace the entire thing, you do control U on that, and it'll actually empty out that blank and and do all kinds. So it's it's actually really fast to navigate around. But that brings me to my next question. Would you, if somebody were to port canines and make it into a a Windows-type app, which would you use? Would you use the one... That has nicer grids and maybe, you know, you can adjust the font sizes easier in different spots and and that kind of thing. Or would you would you stick with
2: the terminal base type thing? What do, what do you think? Great question. Uh, I would love to be able to kind of drag a column to make it bigger, for example, uh, with a mouse. There are things that you can do with a mouse that are not nice to do with a keyboard. Uh, so I would use a web app version of it if there was one, provided that it maintained the keyboard keyboard kind of focus on activities. Like, I love that I can do things with just letters. Like, I've got the muscle memory built in. To me, the draw is more about my interfacing with the data rather than what it looks like.
1: So being able to get to the stuff that you want. like, like So, for example, with canines, right? Like, if you want to look at your pods, you just hit colon pods, right? And yeah. then you're there. And it's called P. Yeah. Tab, or, oh, can you do P? Yeah. P and then tab it autofills. Ah, okay. Great. Or deployments is colon deploy. Uh, you know, just that kind of stuff makes it extremely fast to navigate around. And then, and then once you're on your pods, like I said, you type the forward slash and then you start typing your name and you, and you filtered it immediately instead of, you know, control F and then typing some stuff. So what you like is the quick navigation using the keyboard so so if there was a a windowed uh, os type app that did something similar kept all your key bindings but laid it out in a prettier more accessible type
2: format you would you'd be down yeah i would definitely i would definitely like that but there is something kind of nice about being forced into the box (laughs) as it were like yeah like if i had a web app there's things that i expect like i want to have preferences now i want to be able to resize windows i want to make my own dashboards there's things like expectations of modern what kind of web apps that i expect out of my web apps and for some reason i don't have those preconceptions of the tui like i think it's cool that i can just hit uh slash to search and that works in spotify every app i've uh tried actually like a search uh is done via slash which is like a throwback to vim um so i, I don't know it just uh, it's kind of nice being limited <laughs> in a weird mm. way. Yeah. Uh, I, like I did write a couple of um, pros and cons down. Um, you know, being obviously you be able to keep your hands on the keyboard is really nice. You don't have to use a mouse. Uh, you can install on remote servers. So if you want to, re- you know, install this on your server or home or something and you shell in and just use it from there and it's got access to stuff It works great on like a bastion box. Uh, these are often built by devs for devs. So like, just like you said, like Vim key, you know, shortcut type stuff that stuff tends to work. That's not something you're going to get on the consumer grade kind of general use applications. You know, uh, like if, if, if Etsy.com uh, for some reason, or Amazon.com offered a command palette, you're probably not going to be able to use like Vim commands and stuff, right? They're going to make it a little bit more kind of user friendly for good reason, but there's something nice about having this stuff built by us for us. Uh, low overhead, which is fantastic. Like you can't have a web page anymore without downloading uh, Meg's, um, so purpose built. So that's what I kind of mentioned about like people choosing what is important to them and what they think is, uh, you know, how you're expected to use this. Even like the shortcuts they use, like are kind of telling, like, is it L for logs or do we use, uh, the letter next to, you know, the other command that you're likely to use with it and you know, keep those things closer together on the keyboard. Its uh, it was just interesting design decisions that you have to think of for yourself that haven't been solved and haven't been best practiced to death which is kind of refreshing. Uh, it looks old as heck, which I have as both a pro and a con. <laughs> something kind of cool, you know, about it's having the old back. school. Yeah, definitely a throwback. Uh, and the bad, uh, also scriptability. So that's something we talked about with canines. Like if you want to get the logs from a the, uh, pod, then you can go and type colon P and then hit L. And it's pretty fast after you search for it. But if you want to repeat that, or you want to throw it in script, you want to pipe that to something else, then you can't really do that. It's a whole other animal and uh, each one does have its own learning curve like we mentioned you know you go to a website you kind of know how to use a website drop downs are the same buttons are the same forms generally work the same like the web is kind of a solved problem but these apps like you never know what you're gonna get you hit play on spotify it starts like takes over the screen with like this jumping music sound bars like how do i get back is an escape i don't know you know (laughs) it's (laughs) it's a, a fun time and i like I opened up the uh, the help on the Spotify app, and it's like every letter of the keyboard. So it's like pages. It's like three pages of just commands you can do, like capital D or lowercase D, or you know, it's really powerful stuff. But it's going to take you a while to really get comfortable with that. Yeah, it's too
0: much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's fun though, right? Outlaw just was like, <laughs> I
1: know
0: you, no, no, I mean, just but like, if you're going to like double the alphabet, like, okay, there's going to be, you know, upper <laughs> right, and lowercase yeah. command, uh, you know, letters that do different things, then, you know, that's just getting me to too much. I mean, to your yep. question earlier, Alan, like I, I just kind of take the point of like, so I like these things, but I, but more from the point of view of like, whatever thing I'm working in at the time, that's the tool. And I want to be able to stay in that tool and use it. So if, if I'm on a command line, then I want to do everything through the command line. Like how great would it be if we had like, uh, an Alassian command line that you could be like, uh, Hey, close that ticket, start, start progress on this ticket, log these hours to that ticket. Right. You know, and instead of having like, okay, let me go over here and context switch into this thing. And that's the one reason why like, we've talked about the GitHub command line tool, right? I know these aren't twoies, you know, I'm mentioning, but the fact that you're like already in that command line, you know, I, I, I want to stay there in that, uh, that kind of experience. And so, um, you know,
1: it's interesting. I mean, you're right. I find that I like canines because I'm doing cube cuddle commands and, and that type of thing. Right. And so I'm right there. And I, and I like it and I like to, and a lot of times when you're, you have to shell into pods to do things, or you have to do very scripty type things from a bash type prompt. So it just feels natural there. I don't know that Spotify necessarily feels natural <laughs> in a terminal, right?
2: Especially so, if you have to run a demon and, you know, somewhere else and like have an auto start on startup and yeah, no know.
1: Yeah. So it, it's interesting. I think the context of what you're doing is super important. And I could see why something like a canines, I'd probably always like it to be in a terminal versus something like a Spotify. I'd rather have an app on a desktop, you know, that type of thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. But if you were uh, in a browser though, you, then you'd like to have the mini cube dashboard open in a, in a browser page to where you could see similar information about your yes. cluster. Like that you would see in a canines. Totally. Totally. Yeah. i love it that's pretty cool stuff man
1: i I love the uh the link that you have for the awesome ones that's there's a lot in there there's
2: a ton and And there's a solitaire version so i don't know how that didn't make your your cut yeah i'd love to see the last two versions maybe cool to see like maybe there is one but uh, it'd be cool to see like my clusters my uh indexes like drill into my templates like there's things that like i always had to google i'm like what is it like uh, underscore nodes or is underscore health then nodes like i you know i don't want to remember that stuff and hit you know hit the command like doing curls and stuff like nothing so me just uh, hit you know capital
0: b or whatever i just honestly don't understand how like mr game jam didn't bother to mention any of the games there's like a whole section of games yeah space invaders snake you know yeah moon buggy they got wordle but they called it See a <laughs> which is cool. I <laughs> yeah. love it. That's
1: amazing. Yeah, this is neat. I haven't thought about yes. Moon Buggy in forever. Yeah, that's, that's cool stuff, man. All right, so for me, the the one thing that I saw it actually popped up on on my phone today, which was ironic because I don't even think I follow Facebook or Meta or anything on Twitter, but for whatever reason, it popped up this thing. Less
0: than newest about, version of Meta, you don't even have to; it'll do it for you. Right? It'll follow. Yeah. It'll follow it for you.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, so, but I got this thing that apparently I haven't been paying attention to. So we've been talking about Chat GPT. A decent amount over the past couple months, and for good reason, it's super hot and popular. Have you guys even paid any attention to this Llama Two thing that Meta has? Yeah, a little bit. I didn't realize that uh, Meta was involved with Llama. Yeah, so apparently it's pretty big. Like, I they they did a tweet today. Something like talking about how well it did at different types of tests and all kinds of stuff. And apparently it's pretty good. They're saying that it's up there pretty close to chat GPT 3.5 or something. I don't remember what they said, but it's been pre-trained on 2 trillion tokens. And it has double the context length when compared to the original release of Llama. So apparently they've done some pretty major things here. And I think the the important thing is it's also available for commercial use. So I'm guessing, and it's also based on open source as well, which is pretty interesting. I don't know that ChatGPT is, is it?
2: Uh, I don't know.
1: Okay, well, there's there's definitely some things here that are cool, right? So uh, I've got a couple links here. If you just go to ai.meta.com, that's one place where it talks about llama two and all that. And they talk about their open source approach and all that. And then they even, if you want to learn out, learn all the details about how they did their models and all that kind of stuff, they've got all of it here. So you can go look at this stuff, but it is not open source. It is not open source. It's not. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is interesting from that perspective, right? Like, they're doing all this in the open and then they have this chart on their technical page on the models and libraries about llama. Um, I guess how well it did at various different tests. Like, I don't know what MMLU or trivia QA or any of these things are, but apparently like it scored pretty well and it's, it's reinforcement learning from human feedback. So, you know, if you're into the AI stuff and, and you're wanting to learn more about it, we've talked about chat GPT. It's something that you should be messing with, playing with, learning all that. There are other options out there that are worth looking into, right? Just to see sort of how they compare. Uh, and one thing that's interesting, I don't know if you guys saw this, there's apparently some, uh, they're, they're starting now the, the lawsuits against, I think like chat GPT for, for recommending things that aren't safe like i don't know if it was medication or, or medical advice or something like that but the
2: lawsuits are starting to pop up now I, so i mean actively, actively uh, i just thought of the article today talking about uh, the results of chat gpt getting worse because it, you're able to like it keeps like kind of uh, like not wanting to answer your questions or kind of hedging its results because it's a, you know obviously trying to avoid some sort of liability which is good i guess but i'm not happy about it
1: Well, and then there's this one I just searched for lawsuits against ChatGPT right here on the front of Google. Two authors have filed a lawsuit against OpenAI, the company behind the artificial intelligence tool, ChatGPT, claiming that the organization breached copyright law by training its model on novels without the permission of the authors. This is going to get so nasty, so so fast.
0: Okay, so it's interesting that you said that because I was thinking about that as I was going through this, because this was Facebook, That um, Do you remember, hmm, I think it's been like maybe two, three-ish years now, or actually it might have been more than that. There was a company, I don't remember the name of it, but basically their their service they provided was they scraped the images from all the social media sites, and then you could give me a picture and I could you know, take it to this database to be like, Oh, Hey, this is uh, this is Allen, Right. Mm-hmm. And that company, um, they, they ended up getting cease and desist letters from Twitter and Facebook specifically. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, one of the States, I, I forget which like Illinois or something, one of those somewhere in that vicinity actually passed laws that, um, from a privacy point of view that that company couldn't do that, have that kind of service. But the whole thing was that they were, they were scraping this quote, like publicly available information. And so like, as I'm reading through this llama documentation, I'm like, you know, they're talking about how they, they, how did they word it? Uh, publicly available online data sources is Mm -hmm. what they pre trained So I'm like, okay, well another way of saying that is like you scraped that data to, to be able to like quote pre-train this thing. But you know, at what point do we bring up lawsuits? And then coincidentally you brought up the lawsuits of the, the books. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's It's a complicated problem. Like at what point, you know, you put, you put something out there that's freely available on the internet. And at what point are you, Giving up, you know, access or ownership or whatever to it, you know, that it can be used however it's used, right? And in this case, it's used to train an AI model.
1: Well, one of the things that killed Facebook for me a long time ago in terms of using it personally was, and I don't know if you guys remember this, this has been, this might have been before we all met or right around the time. They had put policies in place that said if you posted a picture, on Facebook or Instagram, they own the rights to it. Right. So if they wanted to take your picture, they, they they could do whatever they want with it at that point. Right. And I forget what the wording was at the time, but it almost sounded like you no longer had the rights to it on your own. Right. Like it was theirs. You pushed, you pushed it to their platform. They own it. You can see it, but they own it. And at that time, my wife was like, no way. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. I sh- if, if I want to share a picture, that doesn't mean that they should be able to go put it on a, on a, you know, a billboard somewhere if they want, right. Like, or, or whatever it is. So that was one of the things that that killed it for us in terms of just our private personal use of that kind of stuff was like, yo, if we don't own our own data, what in the world, man? Like, and, and it makes sense now from Facebook as a platform, a meta as a platform, I don't think that they had this this in their minds, you know, 10 15 years ago when they were doing all this. But man, what a huge amount of data they've got access to that they own the rights to because of the the privacy policies that nobody reads that they can go they can go surf and 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 data mine all this stuff for any any technologies they decide to come up with, right?
0: I just live in the mindset that if, if anything that I put out on the internet, like I'm immediately no longer the owner of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it so, doesn't matter. Uh, have you seen, uh,
2: have you seen the new season of black mirror or any of the seasons of black mirror?
0: Uh, don't no spoilers. I've seen, I've seen some of it. Of I've the seen the first season.
2: two or three. I haven't seen the latest ones. You haven't seen that? Okay. Well, there's a latest one that's pretty relevant to this discussion. They give it away pretty early. It's the first episode of season one.
0: Oh, I've seen that one. uh,
2: Okay, well, a a minor spoiler. Fast forward 30 seconds, uh, but in the uh, first episode, woman comes home from a rough day at work and turns on Netflix with her fiancé and sees a show about herself. (laughs) It's her name. The person looks very similar to her, and uh, you know... It's literally a show that she's able to watch and it features events from her day, but, you know, kind of slightly altered to be a little bit more entertaining. And you can imagine her phone's blown off because people are texting her like, hey, you're on, is this you on Netflix? Like, what's going on? And yeah, it just kind of goes off the wall from there. But uh, you can imagine, like, you know, it's if they ever did, if Netflix or it wasn't named Netflix and the show, it was named something else. Streamberry,
0: Yeah. Streamberry, <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's great. what it was called. Which was That's so excellent. funny too because like they would mimic the like the the chime at the beginning, the bomb bomb yeah. or whatever it is, I don't remember. And then you know how like when you watch a Netflix commercial it, the N is in the yeah. top corner, like it did yeah. that. Like it was literally, Hey, just take that asset and replace the N with the S and we'll just use it. Yeah. It was fantastic. But well, yeah, you imagine,
2: like, if someone ever you know had something like snuck into terms and services about being able to use data from, and picked up from, you know, different sources and, be like, oh, we don't actually need your explicit permission for this because of these combination of terms or whatever, then yeah. uh, we're able to do what we want with yeah, your info and instill anything about it.
1: Well, yeah, you posted all this stuff on your timeline and we own
0: the timeline. So, boom, here we go. Yeah. 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 Now, here's the cool thing, though. I don't know if you noticed this or if you tried this. Did you notice that? like top of the page on your uh, one of your links there uh, for the models and libraries, download the model, big mm-hmm. giant button. It's you insane, right? Click that. Now you got to give that's... them some information, but yeah, you, you yeah. know, there's a community license agreement that you can download that model.
1: I mean, look for, for all the, all the stuff that we've said about our personal um usage of Facebook or whatever over time, like I, from a developer's point of view, I still think that they've done amazing things for the world of development in for general. Sure. Right, like React, GraphQL. um I mean, I, there's they have done and put so much out there that developers have latched onto and used the heck out of successfully. Right, so in no way would I disparage have, what they've got. What
0: was the, the one that they joining? That they yeah that they uh they forked and there was like the one name and then the one name with SQL.
1: Oh yeah. Um, Oh man. Something with a P. Oh man. Like parrot. We, we were in we were equal on it for a while. Yeah, um, we were. Oh man. I query multiple data
0: <laughs> sources. It wasn't, it wasn't like a Druid or something. No, it was like a
2: sorry with a P I'm sure of it.
0: Presto. Presto,
2: Presto, yeah. Presto, SQL, and Presto DB. I, yeah.
0: I think yeah. that one, that one, they kind of like messed us up on, right? They could have like yeah. picked a different name. That yeah. was so like hard. Th- that was that was their that was their Angular. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, yeah.
2: right. Everybody gets one. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean, in terms of just providing and giving back to the developer community, I'd say that you know. Meta has done an amazing job over time with that. Even though at one point remember they changed their, their licensing on some of the stuff that that got everybody in an uproar. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it, it was the same thing like Elasticsearch had done too, because they were tired of all the all the cloud companies basically taking their free and open source stuff and then turning it around and turning it into a service that people were paying for while they were trying to make money off yeah. their own services. So I mean, the web has been a crazy place for the past 10 years.
0: Oh, I meant to say, too, going back, uh, just backing up to the tu- the TUI conversation.
2: TUI, yes.
0: Heck yeah. That I I said last time I was going to use and report back on Jay-Z's previous tip of the week, which was uh, KA Deck, the Kafka Apache. Oh, no, that was my tip of the week that I borrowed oh, from sorry. MicroG.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I forgot, but the TUI conversation reminded me, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So, as as we were talking about that, I'm like, what was the name of that tool again? I need to think about that because what I'm actually working on, like, you know, here the past few days, I'm like, oh, this would actually be very helpful to what I'm actively working on. I need to try this thing. I need to remember to try this thing. So, oh, cool. promise number two, <laughs> it's <laughs> actually a repeat of the first promise. Uh, that I did not, I did not not break it, but I also didn't break it.
1: That's amazing.
0: (laughs) Excellent. I will try it though.
1: All right. So we will have some resources we like in here. Some of the links like the, the software engineering thing that, that outlaw has, which, uh, interestingly enough, there's actually a free version of it online. If you want to read it in HTML format. So sounds fine. so you can always do that. Well, I mean, if it were me, I would have it turn that into a PDF, and then, you know, it would go on to a reader somewhere. You
2: I know, just had uh, ChatGPT just to read it for me, so I'll send you a link. There, <laughs> I like it. That's amazing. All is right. it the
0: real book, though? Like, yeah. Who's it the, is? Who's putting this together?
1: Uh, if you read it at the top, oh, actually, cool. oh man, this I did Like
0: a horrible.
1: No, if you, if you chop off the HTML and the TOC there, they actually explain, oh uh, man, actually, you know what? The easier thing to do, I'll find the link that I did to find this thing. If you just search for the name of that book on Google, it'll bring you to the page where they say, Hey, we've published it for free, but you can also feel free to buy it from O'Reilly. So, oh, I yeah, see. yeah, it, it's okay. legit. It's legit.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So with that, like Alan said, we'll have plenty of links and the resources we like. And with that, we head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. I got two for you today. Uh The first one is an extension
2: of the uh conversation we had. You know, we mentioned you can build your own. Uh There are some really great libraries for them. And I found a really nice, uh, uh, what's called blog post, uh, detailing, like kind of some basic patterns and two ease and uh, talking about how you can get started. What's funny though, is a, a lot of the most popular libraries for creating these things have been written in rust. So a lot of the tools on those lists and things we've talked about uh, tonight were written in rust and we're done without a ton of code actually. And so uh, here's a nice article to get you started. Um, and it'll cover the basic libraries uh, called things like clap and TUI and cross term and uh, it's a pretty cool way to learn something new, have fun with a new kind of interface, and maybe learn some Rust. So, I'll have a link there in the show notes. And then I got another tip for you. What if you need to update your Kubernetes version, but uh, you want to check ahead of time to see if any of the APIs you're using are deprecated or obsolete? Well, there's a tool called Cube No Trouble or Cube NT for short that's dead simple. It only takes a couple of different uh, arguments. You basically hook it up to your cluster and it's going to go out and find every resource that you have and it's going to look at it and compare it to the list of uh, APIs that are deprecated and obsoleted as published by the maintainers of Kubernetes. So it's using the official resources to tell you what's uh, deprecated or not because apparently Google published or not Google, the maintainers of Kubernetes Kubernetes, which includes Google, uh, publishes stuff in a really easy use format, and it, it made it really easy for this tool to just kind of drop in and do uh, a comparison. It does take a while to run if your cluster is uh, of any size. So, you know, I think I ran it on a, like, a really small cluster, and it ended up taking like 15 minutes or something. So, I can imagine if I ran it on a bigger cluster, it would go uh, much longer. And it does try to look at everything, so it's going to try to look at. You know, secrets or custom resources, uh, any, you know, anything you installed across all your namespaces. And so, uh, you should talk with somebody before you run it on like a production cluster <laughs> or something. You should probably set off some alarm bells if you're trying to access things that your user normally wouldn't be able to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just really nice. Uh, and it like, then the end it spits you out like a list of all the resources that, uh, have APIs that have been deprecated or obsoleted and what the things move to which I thought that was really cool that they actually tell you what they move to or if there's like changes to the APIs too, it'll note it. And it turns out that was all just published by the maintainers of, uh, of Kubernetes. So that was all information that's available and dependable. So whenever Kubernetes does their next version, they're going to publish this thing again and this tool is still going to work. And you can just keep using it. So it's nice. You're not work, you know, waiting on some uh, Bobo person or company or whatever uh, to kind of walk away from this. Like presumably this tool is going to work without much maintenance going forward into the future. So it's just great. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. I'm curious to try that. That one too. All right. Um, Okay. So for my tips of the week, I'll start with this one. Do you guys like me keep 8 billion tabs open? Yes. Right. At least. No. And you said no,
2: I try to k- declare bankruptcy. So I like, I'll have like 20 and I'm like, that's it. And I'll just close them all and regret it.
0: Oh no. Right. No. I wish I had that kind of, no. Um, so I, I, keep, you know, 800 tabs open with in tab groups and all that. But do you ever find yourself like, man, I wish I could just like reload all of these tabs in one fell swoop because like maybe I had to reconnect to a VPN or whatever your your situation might be, right? Well, I found out that you actually can do that in Chrome. You can one of two ways. You can either do your shift select or your uh, control select type of options. So, you know, select your first the first tab and then shift select to the, to whatever the last tab or just control click the ones you want to do. Once you do that, you can right click on one of the tabs and, you know, do your, do your, uh, the reload from there or whatever your normal reload options are. So you could right click, you can do the control R, you could do a control shift R. You could point is you can reload all those tabs in one command. That's pretty nice. I didn't, I didn't know that. Right? Okay, so so that's, the, that's the, the, the technical one. Now, after that, it's all downhill. <laughs> so I have had my eye on these little things for a while, and I've been curious to try them, and I finally had a chance to, and now I am a believer. I'm sold. These things are amazing. So I know, Alan, Jay-Z, this probably doesn't apply to you. You don't even have to listen. But um I know I know uh Alan, you and I both do a lot of like stuff around the house and you watch like me a lot of like uh you know, you'll fall into a rabbit hole on YouTube of like different DIY type home projects or whatever, right? And that's how I found this. And I think I had shared the video specifically from this guy once before, but of some other project that he was doing. But he had talked about these Wago uh uh nut lever nuts that you use to connect wires so the old school way was like you could you could solder two wires together you could use the crimp uh, connectors to connect the wires together you could use the wire the twist on wire nuts to connect wires together right or there're these wago lever nuts and the way this works is picture Picture like if you had five lanes, right? And each wire can go into one of those lanes, but to get it in there, there's like a little lever that you lift up. The wire goes in, you close the lever and then boom, it's locked in there, right? And you could you could do five of them that way. It is so ridiculously much easier to do stupid clean wiring jobs now in like the, in your house. Uh, you know, like th- these are really intended for like, you know, if you were replacing like light switches or receptacles or whatever. Like that's where you, you might want to use these things, right? So stupid easy. And the beauty of it is if you're like, Oh, I need to disconnect that wire. Oh, I can just take one wire out of the bunch. Right. Because the problem with those twist on ones, which was kind of like the de facto standard for like, you know, things inside the, uh, inside the wall. Right. Was that, you know, maybe, Maybe depending on the bunch of wires that you're getting, right? Maybe some of them are getting a good connection and others aren't if you have too many wires. And especially if you don't have the right size uh, twist on wire nut then, right? This, you don't have that problem. They're clear see-through plastic, so you can easily see them. They're awesome. Now, I see that somebody put in a link to the ideal ones. Not as good. You can Not as good. And you can get both of these at Home Depot by the way, but um, yeah, these these far surpass the the uh, the other option that you gave there. Now I gave a link to in the show notes to the manufacturer's webpage because you can find these on Amazon but the problem is is that you're gonna find them on Amazon like repackaged into like large, like oh hey here's a 75 kit piece kit and it'll be in some like nice assorted you know kind of thing, right? And that's not nec- that's not from the manufacturer. That's somebody repackaged. So I'm including the the original link to the manufacturer so you can see the different versions that they make, right? Because they have an inline one and then they have like a. Uh, you know, a, a side by a two connector, one that's side by side or a three or a five. So depending on what your needs are, but yeah, I, I'm in love with these things. These are awesome. I'll never go back now. Um, Those are pretty that cool. was great. Now also, um, Jay-Z, you're not going to want to listen to this one. In fact, you, your wife might find this one more interesting than you. So if you want to, <laughs> you know go grab her, get her on the line. That's right. So, okay, it's coming. so my, I have fallen, my, I've had this latest obsession to where, speaking of YouTube rabbit hole, YouTube rabbit holes, I have found this channel now called Matt's off-road recovery. And it is insane that this man has been able to make a career and a business out of this profession where he like people will think like, Oh, I've built this like ridiculously cool Jeep and it can go off-roading. So I'm going to go, rock climbing my Jeep through the Rocky mountains in in Utah or Nevada or wherever. And then they get stuck and, or they've tipped over or whatever, and they need to get out. And this guy has, has built a business around going around, getting those people, right? So that part is already insane, but then watching how they do this over and over and over in. The insane types of saves that they do, where like you know, the car will be, you know, I am looking at one now where it's on a sixty-three. The the truck is sitting on a sixty. I can't even say it. A sixty-three degree slant, right? About to tip over, and you know they have to pull it off the side of this mountain, right? Like it's these kind of insane things. Like I can't, I can't stop watching it. It's so amazing, like. <laughs> matt's off-road recovery it's it's just incredible to see what they do like it, you know he's built this this four-wheel steer off-road wrecker based off of an old international truck that is just gorgeous to watch this thing like this thing was hand-built right the you know purpose made for this thing and it's just amazing to watch him like climb. you know he's he you'll see him literally rock climbing, doing amazing rock climbing in this wrecker while pulling someone else behind him. And you're, and you're just like in awe, like the, 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 the mastery, like the, the engineering Marvel of this stuff, right. is just amazing. And plus like the, the ingenuity and creativity that these guys do that the, this team does to save, you know, and, and get these people out of these situations Oh, that's great! Now here's the part that Jay Z. If you haven't tuned out, you're about to. I don't even know the words you're saying, wreckers. Yeah. So <laughs> what? So so, Alan, this one's to you. All right. So this so one of the the p- purpose made vehicles that this guy has. Okay. He calls it the Morver, and it is maybe the most beautiful thing you're going to see. Okay. <laughs> It is a it is a uh, forget the exact year. It's an early 60s model Corvair station wagon that he has purpose built into this ridiculously capable off-road machine. Oh, I think I'm
1: looking at it. Is it yellow and black? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we're talking about cars,
0: right? And uh, shut up, Jay-Z. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 here's the thing. Here's the most beautiful part about it. This, right? That more has the most beautiful sound you've ever heard from any engine ever. Man has never made a more beautiful sounding car engine than that one. Just listening to it's, it's just, it's low rumble roar as it's just idling. And you're like, Oh God, that sounds beautiful. (laughs) And then when you hear it actually do its job, you're like, Oh my God, it's not even breaking a sweat. And it's like moving that truck. That's like 18 times heavier, you know, or whatever. And then when you do see him like let go on it, you're like just impressive how awesome that, that more is. So I can't, I can't speak highly enough of it. This is way better than any of the stuff Jay-Z's about to tell you. Or no, already did tell you. Well, I he guess Alan's did, yeah. about to go. So this is way better yeah. than anything Alan's about to tell you. You're yeah, going to fall into this YouTube channel, and you're going to be like,
1: yep, that was my new rabbit hole. Yeah, this might be a problem because it will be my new rabbit hole. Outlaw and I have similar um, automotive interests, so I could totally do a podcast talking, geeking out on stuff like that all day. Um, ironically enough, I don't have it in the show notes. One of the things that I've fallen down a rabbit hole on is I want to build some open baffle speakers. And I also want to do some custom DIY amplifiers for it. So like electronic soldering, all that, dude, I have spent so many days watching videos on how to do things. Like, it's going to be ridiculous when I do it. That's um,
0: how I got here. Yeah. For the record. <laughs> That's how I got here. And I'm not saying that, that I'm not being, I'm not joking. Like I literally, you know, when I was young, I was really into uh, car stereos and would build systems and whatnot and, and compete in uh, SPL competitions and wanted to be involved in like designing stereo systems like car stereos and things like that and that was what i was i was going in as a double e major and it was while being double e that i had to take programming classes for the first time and i was like oh my god this is so much fun and i fell (laughs) in love with it and i was like i definitely want to be a programmer and then i graduated and they're like okay now you need to become a software engineer and i'm like i'm out right that's not what i signed up i'm just kidding i wasn't out but yeah that's literally how i got here
1: yeah, I, I, I love building stuff, and, and and I can't wait to hear this car. I've seen it now, but I haven't heard it. Um, so mine my tip of the week, I'm actually sort of cheating and stealing this from Jay-Z because Jay-Z brought this up the other day uh, when we were talking about some stuff, logging and metrics and whatnot. If you haven't heard of it, you should check out opentelemetry.io. I have a link in the show notes for it. I'll say this. We're going to be doing an episode on it here pretty soon. I actually wanted this episode to be it, but I wasn't able to get through enough of it. But the gist of it is we've talked about this in the past. You have metrics, you have logs, you have all kinds of things. And Jay-Z and I, I think we were rambling about it an episode or two ago about how You know, it's great and all you have these things, but you have to go connect the dots all over the place, right? Like you have to go look at these logs and you have to time to these logs and you have to look at these metrics. And then you're like, okay, well, what's the, what's the whole picture? That's what open telemetry tries to solve is tying those dots together for you. And then giving you a nice UI to where you can actually look at the dots all connected and be like, okay, well, this is what happened from where the request was made all the way down to where the failure happened or where the latency happened or where whatever, right? Like, so it is exactly what was put together to help with distributed computing, cloud computing, that type of thing. And as a matter of fact, it's part of the um, CNCF, Cloud Native Computing Foundation project i think it's actually graduated to whatever they call it but uh it's it's pretty amazing so have a link here in the show notes again we're going to be talking about it in depth here in the near future so uh if you're interested in that you want to get a primer on it so you have an idea of what the heck we're talking about when we actually started on this you know maybe check that out
0: so all right well with that there will be a link in the show notes and uh no, nothing. All right. Time to drop. <laughs> um, subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you like to find your podcast apps. And uh, yeah, if you haven't already left us a review, we do greatly appreciate it. They really do mean a lot to us. www.codingblocks.net slash review. Yep.
1: And hey, while you're up there, checking our show notes. This one will be codingblocks.net slash episode 214. And we'll have examples, discussions, like we said, at least one link. Uh, and yeah, make sure you check out our Slack channel at CodingBlocks.net slash Slack.
2: And if you uh, head over to our Twitter at CodingBlocks, we'll uh, keep you informed uh, of if we ever write a custom Tui for the show. <laughs> right. There it is.